A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like the After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download the Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 82 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. So we kind of lied. We said we were going to conclude our Dynasty and Rankings Prospect Series last episode, but we got going so long on the Dynasty side of things with starting pitchers, we had to break this up into two episodes. So today we will be concluding our Dynasty and Prospect Ranking Series with starting pitching or just pitching prospects in general. Give me another really, really fun discussion, of course. And with me to do so, my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. What's going on, man? Yeah, it feels like we just did it, and here we are again. Dynasty talk, now prospect talk. So many pitchers to talk about. So, yeah, I think it's important that we broke this up so we didn't go two hours in the other show and right. hey, get another episode from us this week. So hope you enjoy as we dive in on these pitching prospects. Yes, this is episode two this week. You'll be listening to this on Wednesday. And then on Friday, we'll be kind of going over our our, uh, the recently concluded Dynasty ADP stuff we were doing. We had all those. I think we had about 10 different drafts there. Chris compiled the ADP, so we'll be going over that. And then next week, we're going to be jumping in with two feet right into our 2022 redraft positional previews. Got a lot of very good guests lined up every episode so definitely be looking for that for all you redrafters out there. But we again, we will be getting into pitching prospects today. This is going to be a blast of an episode. But before we get into that, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us, including that entire Dynasty ADP spreadsheet. You get the top 50 for free. If you want more than that, obviously listen to the next episode. But if you want the sheet, you'd be in our was it sixty grade tier, Chris? Uh, the fifty, just the five dollars, just the fifty. Okay, yep. um, so that's that's our lowest tier. So that'll get you the entire ADP sheet, which is great. And then also check out all of the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including the twenty twenty two fantasy baseball draft kit. A lot of good stuff in there. 
Let's hop right into it, though. we got a lot to get to here. Let's start with our top 10 pitching prospect rankings. Chris, who you got? All right, here we go. Starting at number one with Shane Boz, Grayson Rodriguez, Max Meyer, George Kirby, and Jack Leiter rounding out the top five, followed by Hunter Green, Daniel Espino, Joe Ryan, Sixto Sanchez, and Nick Lodolo. Nick Lodolo. I love that name, Lodolo. Uh, sounds like a candy bar or something, Lodolo. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm thinking I'm it's Rolos. The Rodo, yeah, the Rolos, whatever it is. Nick LaRolo. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. For me, I have same four, top four, but one and two flip-flopped and three and four flip-flopped. I have G-Rod at one. Boz too, but they're back to back in my rankings. I can't really pick them apart. They're literally like one A, one B in all reality. Kirby three, Max Meyer four. I still have Cade Cavalli at five, though. I'm wondering if I should drop him down a little bit. I'm definitely not as enamored with him as I used to be. Six though at six, Jack Leiter seven, Emerson Hancock eight, Daniel Espino nine, and Hunter Green ten. Let's start at the top with that elite duo of Shane Boz and Grayson Rodriguez. Do we think? that they can get i mean we, we went over boz a little bit uh, or in depth in the last episode so i guess we can focus more here on g-rod because i think we both basically said that if he gets enough innings boss can get to that level of fantasy ace do you think the same thing with grayson rodriguez chris do you think he can be a fantasy ace i'll let you go first but i'll just say i'm saying yes yeah i think he's probably could be even better than boss i think everything kind of lines up for him i mean he keeps the ball on the ground enough first off uh then you look at the swing strike rate for the year of 18.7%. The amount of strikes he throws versus the amount of balls. He does a great job commanding pitches. Just turned 22 years old. Everything you want to see. I mean, he dominated both high A and double A last year. Didn't take a step back at all. Had a FIP of below 275 at both levels, which is pretty impressive. And strikeout rates of 45.5% and 39% in double A. The walk rates are good as well. Above 30% K minus BB rate, pretty darn impressive there. So, yeah, he has everything you want to see. His arsenal is really, really good. He has four at least above average pitches with his four seam slider curve and changeup. Then you factor in probably a plus fast, easy plus fastball and potential plus changeup. I think the command is there as well. So, this is pretty easy for me to say that, yeah, the Orioles haven't done a great job developing pitching, but I think this could be the one to change it. And the, that new. Uh, outfield wall out there only helps G-Rod a little bit right. more. First of do you see the the dimension or not the dimensions, the kind of the picture of what they're yeah. going to look like? That seems to be so weird. It's like it's going to jut out. Yeah, it's just a weird look. But anyway, yeah, that definitely helps for sure, even if it kind of hinders the value of like Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, and others. But with, with G-Rod, I saw him live last August when I was down in the, in the Philadelphia area. I drove – an hour northwest of Philly up to the Harrisburg area to see his start. And I think I can say with a high level of confidence that he's probably the most impressive arm I've seen live in the last several years. And I've seen Manning. I've seen Casey Mize. I've seen Nate Pearson, a bunch of others. I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but G-Rod was so damn impressive. And I don't even think he had his A-plus stuff that game. He still dominated, but I maybe might have his B plus A minus stuff, which is still better than almost every other pitching prospect on the planet. And you mentioned that swing and strike rate he had of 18.7%. That's around two percentage points above Shane Boss. Boss is around 16 points, I think 16.7, and then G-Rod up at 18.7. 
That is just elite, elite stuff. You mentioned there's four pitches, all above average to plus or better. Fastball, changeup, curveball, slider can all miss bats at a high clip. The breaking balls are sharp. There's good velocity separation between all of his pitches. He commands them all well. Yeah, G-Rod is, I guess, everything, like whatever your kind of definition of a ace is, he checks off all the boxes. He's got the stuff. He's got the command. He's got the control. He has the work. He has that workhorse frame. He's very strong frame. I think he could be got it. There's 180 plus innings year in and year out. There's a, a lot of stuff to like here with his profile. So yeah, I definitely think. Well, I think their upside is probably pretty, or the ceiling, I should say, is probably pretty similar between Boz and G Rod. The reason why I had G Rod one spot ahead of Boz, I think there's a slightly higher floor just due to the, I think the higher volume that G-Rocket will probably give you an inning. So, yeah, definitely think he could be a top 10 arm long-term for sure. Uh, let's move on here to sort of the guy that was just drafted, Jack Leiter. I think he's, you know, he's by far the top arm in the 2021 draft class, even though, like, I like Jackson. I think we both like Jackson Job a lot, but there's a pretty sizable gap between Leiter and Jackson Job. So, what are your expectations for Lighter moving forward, Chris? How good do you think he can be? Pretty dang good. I mean, people are quick to knock him because of the size. He's smaller, but I don't think that's a big deal at all. I mean, you look at his pitch mix. It's really good. Dominated at the SEC level, the highest level of college baseball for both a shortened 2020 season and then in 2021. We saw the, the fastball velo tick up significantly last year, which I think was something that he had to do. I think that was a major step for him yep. in, in really taking that next step in the draft. And, you know, everybody was always Kumar over him, but I've always stood by lighter uh, from the start, from the beginning of last college season. I'm glad that's worked out. I mean, locating the fastball as he did at 96 to 99 is just absolutely insane how quick the thing gets to you. I mean, you look, he has a lower arm angle, which is great. He gets a little bit of rise action on that. Just everything you want to see in a pitcher he gets the job done. He's a bull. Man, I really wish that we, we were about, what, 10 feet from him in out yeah. of, the complex level games. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're out there watching uh, Texas, their their complex team play uh, Kansas City. And, you know, Jack and Al are standing there. And Jack's, like, going through, like, all of his pitch grips. It's really interesting to watch. And part of me just wishes that I'd gone over there and say, hey, can you, like, do this on camera for us <laughs> yeah that would have been we so should, cool we see. should have yeah that'll be always always be one of my biggest regrets is that we we didn't do that <laughs> because it was a huge missed opportunity i bet he would have i bet he would have done an interview Probably. for us and you know here we are just talking about how we saw him doing it instead of actually getting it but hey it's all good jack lighter's a stud i'm very excited to see what he can do this year obviously didn't see him pitch professionally last year but should be ready to rock and roll i've seen him throw in some um he he threw a little bit that day in, in the side field, actually. And then he's going to be – should be ready to go for the spring. Don't know where he starts, but it'll be interesting to see what level they put him at. I bet you it's probably high A. I think, I think he, that's uh, fair. Yeah, I think it might be a little bit aggressive, but you know, maybe not. He's a you know one of the more advanced college drivers we've seen the last handful of years. I think high A is, is reasonable. And how could so – do you think he can be – for fantasy purposes, where do you think – like where's his ceiling? Do you think it's top 10? top 20 where do you where do you see that ceiling come it's i think it's tough to say right now because it's, it's going to be it's always a big transition from college to professional but i do think that he can probably be a top 10 i mean we obviously have him as a top 10 
pitching prospect. So the hope would be that he can become a top 10 guy in the major leagues. Strikeouts, I think, will, will definitely be there. The walk rate is probably the biggest concern. I think he's got to get that down a hair. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of expecting him to be like one of those bulldog-type pitchers that can can throw you 200 innings, a rare breed that we don't really see anymore. But, yeah, I mean, he threw 110 innings last year over 18 starts. So that's uh, pretty impressive there, in my opinion. So maybe we see him push that that limit and get close to 200 with good strikeouts. And, you know, if the walk rate ticks down, then I definitely think that he's capable of being a top 10. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I quite see top 10, but I can see top 20 for sure. Kind of a guy that's in that conversation of is he an ace or is he a high end two? I think he can definitely get up into that range, like the, you know, where what, what arms are there right now. You know, a little bit maybe close to Logan Webb. So maybe he can get pushed top 10. So I do think he's going to be a low ratios guy, especially if that walker comes down, like you mentioned. He's got the, you know, all the good secondaries, you know, deep arsenal. Um, you get the curveball, slider, cutter, change up. You know, the fastball obviously is his best pitch, but really good arsenal throughout. So if that command and control ticks up a little bit, which I think it can, like Texas has, you know, been pretty solid recently. They've gotten some good development out of their pitchers recently. Like Cole Wint took that step forward uh, with his command and control this past year. So I'm hoping they do can do the same thing with Jack Leiter. And obviously having his father, you know, that helps. So I uh, definitely think Jack Leiter can be, I'll say a high end two for fantasy. I'm not quite ready to go ace, but, it wouldn't surprise me if he was a fantasy ace down the rogues. Yeah, he's got all the all everything you want from you know that type of arm for sure. A couple more arms uh, in this range. Did you have a Spino in your top ten? I don't, but he okay. definitely can make that jump. Okay, so maybe wait, let's go through. I think you have both these guys in your eleven through twenty. So let's go through our uh, rankings here, eleven through twenty, and then we'll talk about a couple of these guys. For me, I have Nicola Dolo eleven, and then Yuri Perez, Mick Abel, Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan, Bobby Miller, then Joe Ryan. I'm combining names here. Uh, Colwyn, Peyton Battenfield, Jackson Job, Quinn Priester, and Edward Cabrera at 20. What do you got, Chris? Yeah, a lot. I have Daniel Spino seven. That's the second time I've done that in the last two episodes where I was like, oh, I don't have them there, and I really do. So stop lying to us, Chris. My brain has got fog from all the snow outside. Sorry, <laughs> all, all, all the snow is just kind of messing up that southern brain of yours. Lock, locked inside for too long. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, here we go. At eleven, have Aaron Ashby followed by Kate Cavale, Reed Detmers, Kyle Harrison, and Bobby Miller, and then I follow that with sixteen through twenty with Matt Brash, Emerson Hancock, Yuri Perez, Mick Abel and Roanzi Contreras. A lot of fun names in this range. Some breakout guys from this past year, and I think guys that can even take a next step forward. Like the three that kind of stand out to me, uh, obviously we had about one of these guys top 10, but Daniel Espino, Yuri Perez, Mick Abel, I think probably have the highest ceiling in this range. So Jackson Job uh, is pretty damn close as well, maybe even Quinn Priester. So a lot of you know high upside guys in this part of our rankings here. Do you think that these guys could take the next step forward and be guys that you know when we do this next year, next December, January, whatever it may be, we're talking about Perez, Espino, you know, maybe Jackson Job being guys that could be up in the top five of our rankings. Possibly. I think I even think like Matt Barash, who I think probably graduates, he's huge upside in my opinion. So I think he can make that step. Uh Kyle Harrison's another one. I mean, Kyle Harrison. Yeah, Harrison's an electric arm. Yep. I'm pretty sure he had the second highest swinging strike rate to Grayson Rodriguez last year in the minors, which pretty dang impressive there. And he was the, remember what Robert Hassel said, he was the one of the toughest arms he's ever faced it, faced yep. in his life. So, yeah, yeah that speaks that, a lot of, a lot yeah, of volume. That, 
Yeah, that's a very good hitter saying that. So, Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Harrison can make a jump. I think that Matt Brash can make a jump. Yuri Perez is another one that can make the jump as well. So he's in this range for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on board with, with several of these guys making big jumps next year. Who are you, who are you most confident in making that jump? Probably Kyle Harrison. I think he's been the most consistent among these, and he's has the best track record. So I think Harrison is one that, that will – I'm more confident, at least. I'll go. I'll go Espino. I, I think I've been on record saying that he could be the number one pitching prospect in baseball by this time next year, especially with a lot of these names ahead of him graduating. Like for me, Espino is already number nine, and I could see him jumping ahead of Hancock. He, I see. I might even move him ahead of Hancock pretty damn soon here. Lighter will still. I think he can jump ahead of Lighter. I think he's a higher upside than Lighter does. Sixto. I think should graduate. Who knows? Uh, Cavalli could graduate. Uh, Meyer could, or if not, I think Espino can jump both those guys. Kirby probably does, and then Boz and Girod should. So at least a good five, six names above him are going to graduate, and I can see him jumping the rest. So Espino is so damn filthy. I think he's got the best arsenal in the minors, not named Grayson Rodriguez. He's got four pitchers he can miss bats with. He's got the elite velocity. The command has consistently kind of taking a step forward walk rate still a little high but uh cleveland i I have all the confidence in the world in them continuing to help him improve that aspect of his game so yeah i think espino's gonna be up there and i'm still really high on mick abel i I think you had him almost as high as i did so uh i think mick abel is a great buy low I've mentioned it before. I think he's got, he reminds me so much of Steven Strasburg, this similar size. I think they're both right around six, five, the four pitch arsenal that can miss bats all four. Yeah. His debut wasn't quite as spectacular. as Some of these other names we saw like the walk rate jumped up to like 13 and a half percent. But if he can get that walk rate down further, throw some strikes more consistently, like he's got the stuff, like his stuff is almost as good as a Spino's. He needs to have that same, development with the command and control as Espino has over the last couple of years. So I think Mick Abel is a great buy low right now. Yeah. Another one I missed too, that I think is definitely got the upside to make that huge jump. Yes. As I think I've looked at some other, you know, rankings and he's a lot lower on basically, I think I might be the high man and you you might be number two high man on Mick Abel at this point. And he's always been a favorite of ours getting back to our, our, I think our second episode of this show, which was our 2020 FYPD pitcher show where we just gushed over McAbel, uh, or as we called him at the time, McAbel, and then we got corrected by I believe it was his aunt. Something Is that right? Like that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, McAbel. Um, so we we've been big McAbel guys for a while, and I'm not I have not backed off at all. So I think right now with his value maybe a little bit down uh, from what it was, you know, six to twelve months ago. Great time to buy McAbel right now because I think he can take that next jump as well. And get up to be, I think he could be a top five pitching prospect with this time next year. So definitely go out and get McAble. Another guy, a couple guys that maybe aren't quite as flashy, but definitely have some, you know, good long-term aspirations in the major leagues. Joe Ryan and Rowanzi Contreras, you know, from Minnesota and Pittsburgh, respectively. Let's start with Joe Ryan. He made his debut last year, got five starts, you know, pitched pretty well in those five after a great minor league campaign. Where are you at on Joe Ryan, Chris? Obviously, he's not as flashy as you know these other names we've talked about, but he just gets the job done. And I think he's been undervalued for a while and probably will continue to be undervalued for 
for a, a long time to come. So where are you at on Joe Ryan right now? Yeah, I think that's what I was going to say is he's been so disrespected his entire minor league career because that's all he's done is just consistently get the job done. I mean, you look and his worst ERA that he's posted outside the majors last year at any level was in AAA last year at 363. So, and even then he had a 324 fit, which is pretty encouraging. The strikeouts have always been there, despite not being the flashiest. And he's got pinpoint command and control. He's not going to walk a lot of batters, which is also pretty huge for me. So, yeah, all everything points to him being just a really good underrated arm. Again, he doesn't flash anybody with a, a you know, plus pitch or anything. His fastball only hits 91 miles an hour on average, but gets the job done. His slider's pretty good as well. He's pretty pretty much four-seam slider heavy, mixes in a change in curve occasionally. But I think that he just is going to locate it well enough, and maybe he develops some more velo or takes, you know, he could adjust a couple pitches here or there and, and become, like, even better. But I think with what he's got, he's going to get the job done. Yeah, and that, that fastball has been pretty solid despite the velocity because and that shows that velocity isn't everything. Is he right. he does not leave that pitch over the heart of the play. Like he locates it well in, out, up, down to all four quadrants. So uh definitely uh, despite you look at the velocity, oh it's only ninety one point two, but that is, you know, better than most ninety one mile an hour fastballs for sure. You know, I wonder if the K rate is, you know, gonna be as good. Obviously, you know, minor league K rates don't always correspond to major league K rates, but you know, I was, I just wonder if he's going to be a big K rate guy or if he's closer to a K rate or a K per inning, which is still obviously pretty damn good. But you know, I think he can be a, I wouldn't say top 25 arm. I can see him settling in kind of like top 30, top 40 type of fantasy arm, a good like SP three that keeps the ratios pretty low. You, you mentioned the walk rate has always been very, very good with him. So I can see a low whip, like a 105 to 110 whip you know, low to mid three ERA and around the caper inning. So maybe gets into that Jose Barrios range or, you know, in that general vicinity where he could be a very good number three back at number two, uh, depending on how high the K rate is in the major leagues. But yeah, definitely a name. This is underrated because he didn't have the flashy, flashy fastball. He's a little bit older. Like he's 25. Now he's not like 21, 22, like Boz and, and G rod are. So uh, people always kind of shy away a little bit, maybe, and that's, I think, unfair. So the guys are a little bit older, um, but definitely love Joe Ryan. And uh, where are you on on Contreras? I, I like Joe Ryan more than Contreras, but you know, I have definitely taken kind of a step forward in what I thought of Rowanzi Contreras. Like, you know, came up through the, the Yankees, or he was always a very, you know, enticing arm overall you know, in the minor leagues. 313 ERA and a 110 whip, but, um, the K rate has wasn't there until this past year. It took a huge, huge step forward uh, this past year to over thirty three percent after being you know down be- well below a K per inning up until he got into the Pittsburgh org. So, do you think that that K rate jump is sustainable moving forward? And what do you think he can be at the major league level, Chris? Yeah, I think he can. I think that's definitely sustainable. I hate we missed him in the fall league. Never got I to know. see him his starts, but. Yeah, I mean, you overall, I think the fastball really ticked up this year, which was encouraging. The slider is just a nasty pitch. I think he's got an above-average change as well, which can only benefit him. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. I think that he's probably got, like, SP3 stuff. He's pretty enticing. I think another one that kind of just flies under the radar and doesn't really get the love he deserves. Maybe it's because he's in the Pirates org. Don't really know. 
Obviously, well, came over from that's that's definitely it. I think the Pirates, even at the major league level, I think just the Pirates in general just get undervalued. Yeah, I agree. They just don't ever get the love they deserve. But I mean, you you mentioned I think that he just kind of is going to get the job done. Like Ryan, he may even have more upside than Joe Ryan, which is definitely encouraging as well. Yeah. So we know. I mean, he made a a little debut. He pitched three innings at the very end of the season. I think maybe in the last day of the season, actually, they called him up. I mean, he pitched three scoreless with four Ks. That's pretty good for your major <laughs> league debut. So I don't know. I'll be watching him closely, but I do think that he is one that could definitely, definitely be a solid underrated arm. Would you rather have him or, or Joe Ryan moving forward? Probably Joe Ryan, just because I'm a little more confident that yeah, I think that Ryan has the higher floor, but I think Contreras has the higher ceiling. Yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah, I I would lean slightly to Joe Ryan as well. But I think they're both just really good targets right on Dynasty Leagues because of how undervalued they are. Um, so definitely go and, get, and try to get both of them if you can. Let's move on to the next 10 of our rankings. So this is 21 through 30. For me, I got Reed Detmers, Aaron Ashby, Asa Lacey, Kyle Harrison, Gavin Williams. I uh, Excuse me, I, I messed that up. No, so Reed Detmers, Aaron Ashby, Kyle Harrison, Gavin Williams, Asa Lacey at 25. Uh, then 26 through 30, Mackenzie Gore. I still have no clue what I want to do with him in my rankings. Matt Allen, Logan Allen, Taj Bradley, and Rowanzi Contreras for me is at 30. Chris, who you got? All right, so 21 is Quinn Priester, who I love. I actually think he should be a little higher. Jackson Job, who could take a huge step next year we talked about. Edward Cabrera, Taj Bradley, Colwyn, Peyton Battenfield, Landon Mack, Randy Vasquez, Tanner Burns, and Simeon Woods Richardson round out the 30 spot. Ooh, so you still have him at 30, Simeon Woods Richardson. Yep. I dropped him to 39. I don't know. He was pretty solid. I saw his double-A uh, debut uh, mid, um, back in early May, and he was pretty solid. Like his dad was there. I was talking with his dad down watching his bullpen. Now, the one thing I was worried about him was this, just the overall strike-throwing ability, and that kind of hindered him this past year, so his ERA and whip got a bit bloated. But it's a good guy. He's got good stuff. Got the solid fastball. Not great, but I think it's a at least an average Major League fastball. You know, good curveball. Uh, that was his best secondary. I saw, you know, 12 to 6 curve, but I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling where I value him. He went over to Minnesota. I don't know. A lot of their guys took steps back this past year. I don't know if that's a Minnesota thing or what. I mean, it was just a coincidence, but it could be. I don't know. The fact that both Belazovic, Duran, and SWR took a step back this past year. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's definitely one that slid down my rankings a bit, but. Let's talk about some other guys in this range, though. A lot of Cleveland guys in this range, you know, and even in our last set, like Peyton Battenfield is there. Did you say Gavin Williams in this range? Uh, I don't want to give you an answer without looking at it. Uh, yeah. No, he's, he's right. He just missed. Okay, so yeah, don't lie to me again. Uh, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um, but, you know, he's in this general ballpark, Logan Allen. You know, I'm, you know, as I've said before, I've really started the – value more and more looking at the the track record of certain organizations whether it's hitting or pitching good or bad developing those types uh, of prospects like I've, I've i've kind of dropped down a lot of los angeles angels uh pitchers because their track is not great there oakland athletics hitters etc cetera, etc cetera. so with cleveland on the pitchers i think was cleveland always has been one of the best pitching development orgs in baseball so that's why i have really started to be more aggressive in my rankings. Like I've put Peyton, Peyton, 
Peyton Battenfield in my top 20 with 17th overall. That's inside my top 100 overall. I have, let's see, Gavin Williams is a guy from this draft I'm very, very high on. Power, collegiate arm, um, that I'm aggressive in my rankings. And then Logan Allen's another one as well. And you have Tanner Burns, very high too. So, yeah, I think just a general you know, mindset is to be aggressive with the Cleveland guys, especially these guys we're talking about here. And I'll, even Tanner Burns, I have him a bit lower than you, but I like Tanner Burns as well. I'd be trying to buy all four of these guys in Dynasty Leagues right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I'm like way higher than Tanner Burns on than everybody, so I don't know if I should drop him or what. But oh, he's, yeah. he's a good, he's a good arm. He's, you know, it's, you're a little higher than me, but he's a very talented arm as well. Yeah, I'm just very high on him clearly. But yeah, this is a good range for for all these guys. I think I mean, they're all super talented. They all could take a step forward. And you mentioned I'll, I'll you'll know in a second, but I have Gavin Williams just a spot out here of the 30 spot, and then Logan Allen at 35. So. Both these guys right in this range, they all can are capable of making big jumps. I think they've done a really good job. So uh, they just develop arms. That's what they do. And you, you have to trust those organizations that keep doing it over and over and over again. They they get these guys that, you know, aren't aren't studs and they develop them into that. So yeah, I'm all in. Yeah. Like I said, we talked about like Milwaukee, Tampa Bay, like Taj Bradley is another huge, huge target of mine. I'm going to bump up even probably even more by the time I get my next update on site, which will probably be, I have no idea, March probably at this point, as I just did one not too long ago. Um, but once you get in the spring training, I'll probably put another one out there. Bradley will probably be even higher. You know, the ground ball rate, the swing strike rate, you know, everything's there. So I uh, love Taj Bradley as well. So uh, be in the, I'll be more aggressive with him moving forward here as well, because Tampa Bay obviously has been a very good pitching development org as well, at least a top five pitching development organization. So, a lot of good names to target in this range. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side and get in, into some of these names that have not been uh, as productive in 2021 and, and are falling down our rankings here. So we'll get into those when we come back after the break. you're craving church's three-piece classic there's no other option two crispy legs a thigh and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way and that's why we call it a classic church's texas chicken tap the banner to find your nearest location offer valid at participating locations all right welcome back from the break Let's talk a couple lefties here that are talented but are trending in the wrong direction right now. Asa Lacey, Mackenzie Gore. Lacey was considered a, one of the big three from that 2020 draft class, for pitchers at least, with Max Meyer and Emerson Hancock. Both guys are much, much higher in our rankings. Max Meyer top five, Hancock top ten, or you have them in the teens, but still much higher than Asa Lacey. And Gore, former number one pitching prospect, now we have no freaking idea what to do with him anymore. Who are you more confident in just being a starter long-term between Lacey and Gore, Chris? <laughs> Can I answer neither? Like, yeah, I was going to say, as a, is it yes to either or I don't know. It's, it's, that, it's, I think it's below 50% chance for both at this point. Yeah, I'm feeling 
I'm giving Lacey the better chance because, you know, he's much younger. Well, I say that he's actually not true because he, he's fresher in pro ball. So, yeah, he, he's a college guy. Gore was obviously a high school guy. So, uh, I don't know. I think Gore is looking like an RP more and more every day. I think they're going to give Lacey every chance to develop as a starter at this point because we've only only really seen him for for one season at this point. So, yeah, but both are trending the wrong direction. I think that's for sure. And Lacey was not great in the fall league. Uh, Gore, I, I don't care what people say. Gore wasn't. Gore didn't prove anything in the fall league. He was not no. good. He walked way too many batters. I don't care what he he had a decent first start. His overall the fall league was just again just proved the point that Gore is heading towards being a reliever. That's unfortunate because Gore was the can't miss pitching prospect not long ago. Yeah, he was. It was Whitley, and Whitley fell off, and then Gore's fallen off. I don't. I don't know. These are. Types, I don't. I don't want to buy into either of these two. I mean, I'm still holding out hope for Asa Lacy at this point because I said like you mentioned he's still he's newer in the pro ball, so hopefully Kansas City can right the ship there. But at the same time, that's another organization where you know they haven't really gotten the best results recently. Like Brady Singer has been a you know mediocre major league starter. Jackson Core was terrible last year, at least at the major league level. Um, Daniel Lynch hasn't really pitched well over the last 12 months. So maybe that's an org that's just not great with pitching development, which makes me kind of concerned about Ace Lacey. But he's got the stuff. There's no doubt there. He's got really good, you know, really good arsenal. But command and control needs a lot of work. So um, these two are just not guys I'm looking to buy into a dynasty leagues right now. It's going to be one where I'm, I'm probably going to miss out. If one of them bounces back this year, I'm going to miss it. Um, so if, if you're you know, if you're buying the stuff from these two and you want to buy back in, fine. But that's not going to be me. I don't think it's going to be Chris either uh, right now. Uh, let's go back into the positive side of things here. Let's each give two prospects outside our top 100 overall, not just pitching prospects, overall right now, with the best chance of jumping into the top 50 overall by this time next year. Chris, who are your two? And this is probably cheating because I think most people probably have him in the top 100, but going with Jackson Job is my first one. I'm, I'm always lower on high school arms coming out, and especially ones with not a ton of track record. I mean, Job Job was a shortstop for a while, and then they developed him into a starter later into his high school career. Spins the ball like crazy. I mean, they've set up to like 3,300 RPM on the slider, which is just nuts. Fastball's really good as well, so... Yeah, I'm I'm conservative right now because of the fact that he's a high school arm and he presents a lot of risk, but definitely has the upside to make a huge jump next year. So Jackson Job is one that I think will take that jump next year. All right, my first arm here, uh, I'm going with Matt Allen, got it missed all of last year, recovering from surgery. Only has ten and a third innings. That was back in 2019. So especially he was drafted back in 2019. And then only has 10 and a third because of the injury, surgery, and then missing off 2020, obviously, due to the, the pandemic. So not great <laughs> to have 10 and a third innings going on three almost three full years after the draft. But this is a guy that was tr- firmly trending up before he had to go under the knife. Still only 20 years old. He was a, a high school arm coming out back in 2019. He's a third round pick by the New York Mets out of Florida. Uh, love Matt Allen. The big fastball. It's a plus fastball. Mid nineties, good finishing life on it. Curveball is also plus. That's an absolute hammer of an offering. And the changeup was really coming along as well. He was flashing an above average 
or better changeup. So, and a guy that never really had any, you know, big command and control issues. You know, he was still very young, so obviously he's not going to have quite the same command and control as, you know, a more polished collegiate arm, but he had a better feel than most arms his age. And he was really making strides there before going under the knife. We'll see how he comes back from um, from surgery in 2022. Probably you won't see him right at the start of the year, but maybe you see him mid-season. And I just think once he gets back and if he shows the same you know, arsenal, the same improvements he was making, he can continue that kind of vault up rankings. Like he would be top 100 for me right now without the injury, maybe even top 50 if he had pitched in 2021. Good chance he'd be top 50. So I'm, I'm expecting him to do that in 2022 and this have 2021 be a, a slight speed bump in his developmental process. So go out and get Matt Allen wherever you can. Who's your second guy, Chris? Yeah, I love that pick. I'm a big Matt Allen fan as well. I'm going with Randy Vasquez of the rival of the the Mets, the New York Yankees. The Yankees had some some breakout arms last year, and, and Vasquez was one of those, and he really showed up, really showed out in a lot of ways. I'm really impressed with what I saw from watched several of his starts and looks really good. I mean, the fastball's extremely good. He has this like slurvy curveball that's really good as well. It's probably easily his best pitch. And he throws a change in there too. And you know, you mentioned, I mean, you see him, he pitched three levels at low A. He pitched to a two, three, four ERA over 50 innings. Then the high A pitched to one seven five ERA over 36 innings. And then in double A, 21 innings we saw that jump to a 4-2-2 ERA the strikeout rate was way down but not concerning because overall he looked very impressive all season long so with that arsenal I think he's got he can easily take a step forward and even I really it's not much steps for him to take forward other than just bumping up rankings by doing what he did again that's really the biggest thing if he repeats what he did then he's easily going to bump up because he's proven that this is who he is and you know he's 23 years old now so he's ready he's advanced i think he's ready for triple a see what he's got yeah i love vasquez as well definitely a pop-up name wasn't even anywhere near my top 400 entering 2021 but now it's a guy that's inside my top 200 so really like randy vasquez a lot as well Uh, i'm gonna go back to the tampa bay org here a guy that i mentioned briefly earlier but i'll go more in depth here taj bradley uh, very good 2021 season uh, between low A Charleston and high A Bowling Green combined for a 183 ERA across 103 and a third innings, 0.93 whip and had 123 strikeouts to only 31 walks. That K rate uh, was 30 point, actually 31% on the dot. And the walk rate was also a very good 7.8% as well. So, one of the arms that had a you know K minus walk rate above twenty percent and a very good swinging strike rate as well. Command and control has taken a step forward for him too. You know, so very um, there's a lot to like here in this profile. Fastball and slider lead the way. Both I think are going to be plus offerings at the highest level. Rest of the arsenal, you know, mixes in the changeup and the curve as well. Those are behind, but he has shown some development with that changeup, at least some feel for it. So if he continues to develop that changeup and shows even further development of that command and control similar to the jump he made from 2019 to 2021, where he dropped the walk rate and showed better strike throwing ability. I think Bradley could take that next step and be a top 50 pitching prospect moving forward. So and again, Tampa Bay love that he's in that org. So go out and get Taj Bradley as well. Let's move on here to the next set of our rankings. Let's go 31 through 50. Who you got Chris? All right, so I got Gavin Williams followed by Spencer Strider, Asa Lacey, 
Ian Seymour, Logan Allen, Matt Allen, Matt Cantorino, Blake Walston, Owen White, and Jay Groom rounding out 40. And then 41 through 50, I have Ryan Murphy, D.L. Hall, Trey Jamison, D.J. Hers, Jake Etter, Gunnar Hoagland, Carmen Majitsky, Andrew Painter, Will Bednar, and J.T. Ginn rounding out the 50 spot. For me, 31 through 40, I got Blake Walston, D.L. Hall, Matt Cantorino, Sam Bachman, Gunnar Hoagland, Matt Brash, Ryan Pepio, Brandon Williamson, Simeon Woods-Richardson, and Jake Etter at 40. 41 through 50, Jordan Belazovic, Matt Libatore, Spencer Strider, Randy Vasquez, Slade Sioni, Luis Heal, D, D, or David John Hurst, excuse me, <laughs> and Andrew Painter, Ethan Hankins, and Chase Petty running out 50. And I also, you mentioned Ian Seymour. I have him at 52. Dre Jameson at 53. So a lot of good names in this range here. Um, let's, obviously, let's talk about a few of them here. Uh, where should we start? Where should we start? Let's start with a couple of the guys that kind of didn't have the greatest of years. Like you mentioned, Simeon Wood Richardson had a you know tough 2021 after a good start. Same with Libertor. He wasn't quite as bad statistically, but didn't really kind of take that next step. But also he was young for the level, was aggressive assignment at AAA. So who who are you more confident in kind of bouncing back in 2022 between SWR and Libertor, Chris? Oof, that's tough. I or, think probably or, or you're not not confident in either. That could be an yeah, answer too. I mean I don't know. I'd probably lean with Simeon Woods Richardson, but I see the argument for both. I think that they're both really capable of taking that step forward that we didn't see. I don't know. I'm kind of torn because, like, you know, Libertor has that, you know, big spinning curveball. The fastball kind of leaves a lot to be desired, though. Yeah, it's kind of mediocre. It's maybe 50 fastball. I wouldn't say anything higher than that. Maybe even. I'd say there's a better chance it's 45 than 55, too. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even strike out that many guys, which is really interesting, despite, you know, the curveball you think would be his go-to strikeout pitch. But, yeah, I don't know. It just – they're they're not – neither of them are doing a lot for me. I, I still probably lean Simeon Woods Richardson, honestly. I think that he just has a little bit more that it's untapped potential, I guess. He wasn't good at all last year, like, at all. Took a – major steps backwards, but I still think there's some value to be had. But I don't know. The command's got to take a step forward with him. That's really the biggest thing is he showed huge regression with the command and control last year. But yep. he also needs to see a little velo bump with the fastball. There's a couple things that he needs to do. So I'm not overly confident in either. I'm with you. Uh, I've, like I said I saw those. I think in the game I was at, even when he, he struck out, I think it was seven or eight guys over like five or so innings. He's, I think he walked like four or five in that game as well. So, yeah, definitely I'm not confident in either. But would it surprise you if – what if Libertor had a career similar to a uh, a recent signee of the Cardinals in Steven Matz, another left? Do you think that's a realistic outcome for Libertor? Yeah, I think that's potentially fair. And yeah, like solid wanna... back-end fantasy guy maybe? Yeah, he just kind of gets the job done. It's not going to stand out. Doesn't get a lot of love, but I think that's potentially fair. Yeah, and you know that that great defense we talked about last episode and St. Louis helping him out. So, yeah, I, I guess I see some value for both these guys, but probably more of the the back end, late round flyer, or maybe even streamer type of guys. I don't think they're either going to be anchors of your fantasy staff anytime soon. Let's go. Let's give a couple of names here, guys that are considered you know top two hundred guys that we would be looking to sell right now 
in dynasty leagues. Who's that first name for you, Chris? Oh me, um, you maybe Ace Lacy. I think that if he continues to trend the wrong direction, then you know you're gonna miss out. I think I think people still believe in him to an extent. So and I, and this could be a totally wrong move because Lacy has the upside to see his value really jump. So I'm kind of on board with with just selling Lacy at this point and getting what you can get for him before I think the struggle. If the struggles continue, then he's like valueless kind of like gore's becoming like you're not going to trade gore for anything worthwhile at this point but there hasn't been enough bad with lacy to really not be able to cash out on them another one this is not that i don't really like him but you know i think that kate cavalli potentially might be at peak value he's an interesting pitcher I, I think we saw the flashes of upside last year where he looked like the one of the best pitching prospects in the game but then we also saw some struggles as well throughout as he was promoted up to triple a and yeah, it was a, it was aggressive promotions going from high A to triple A throughout the season. But we also saw some some regression throughout the year. We saw the walk rate regress throughout the year. We saw the strikeout rate regress throughout the year, which not encouraging signs when your K minus walk rate goes from between the three levels: thirty seven percent, eighteen percent, nine percent. The swing yeah. and strike rate dropped from twenty percent to fifteen percent to twelve percent between the three levels. So uh, he may be peak value so i think you can get probably the best return for them and maybe people kind of fail to realize the regression that happened there and you could cash out and get something really good for them yeah no definitely cavalli like i mentioned in the start i saw of him uh definitely wasn't the best command like he started, he's kind of like it was kind of similar to to woods richardson where he struck out a, a lot of guys but just wasn't hitting a spot so yeah definitely can see him potentially being a peak value so that's definitely a good one as well he's probably going to drop down my rankings moving forward here unless i can see him right that ship in 2022 my two guys you know this first guy is similar to asa lacy where it's a very talented left-handed pitcher that could obviously be a very good arm in this in this league with all the stuff he has but the command control just hasn't come along it's dl hall He's pitched now 217 innings over four parts of four seasons starting back in 2017 and just hasn't made any strides with that. The walk rate overall in those 217 innings, 13.3% walk rate just hasn't improved last year. It was at 12.5%. So slightly better, I guess, but that's still not going to get it done. If we're ranking on stuff alone, He's probably top 15, maybe even top 10. Like he's got that good stuff in Baltimore. I have a little more confidence than I used to in their the player development, but I don't know. Even with the new, I think the new player development stats been in place there for what, 18 months to two years now. And 2021, this was just more of the same. Yeah, it was only seven starts at double A, but just, I just don't see him having the, maybe he's a back end starter. I can see like a Gio Gonzalez type of career where he's like got a lot of strikeouts, but the walk rate's always high and he's kind of a back end guy with the ratios being pushed up a little bit because of the, the higher walk rate, probably a high whip rate guy, but I don't know. I can see him pushing to the bullpen being like a, a good, a good lefty in the pen, but I just don't know if there's starters kind of profile here. We'll see. 2022, I think it's gonna be a really big year for him though. And hopefully he starts at double A because I can get some live looks at him the other one similar issues Luis heel you know he's a guy that i think will get overvalued because a he's a yankee and b he had a pretty solid six starts at the major league level last year 307 era but 
133 whip just because he's always been a high walk rate guy. In the minor leagues, he pitched 286 and a third innings and had 169 walks in those 286 innings. That equates to a 13.7% walk rate. So I don't see him starting. Maybe he gets some starts this year, but I think that'll depend on who the Yankees bring in. But long-term, I think he just gets pushed to the bullpen. The Yankees always bring in guys. There's a lot of guys I like better in this org, like Randy Vasquez, for instance. I think he'll be a guy that's better than Luis Heal long-term. So I think if you can cash out on Heal now after that nice little showing he had uh, with the Yankees this year in those six starts, I would definitely try to do so because, yeah, this is definitely not a guy I want to invest in personally in nice leagues right now. But let's go over to some guys that we do want to invest in here. Let's give two breakout picks that are currently outside our top 200 that we think could jump inside, uh, maybe inside the top 100 by this time next year. Chris, who's that first guy for you? Yeah, I think he already did break out, but it's not really getting the love, and that's Cody Morris with Cleveland, another Cleveland arm that's just getting the job done. I think he's got an outside shot to some innings this year, honestly. He's 25. Watched him pitch quite often at the University of South Carolina, and he just looked so good last year. You know, he it, the innings were limited in some injuries, but still between – so at double-A, pitched 20 innings, a 1.35 ERA, 36% K rate. Then at triple-A, 36 innings, 1.72 ERA, 36% K rate. Again, the, the walk rate sit right around 8%. Lovely arsenal with fastball, curveball, changeup mix. The command can get spotty, but I think it really has improved, and he's just been – pretty consistent i think we're looking at somebody that gets 50 plus innings at the big league level next year and somebody that just doesn't get love at all so i think the breakouts kind of already happened but then i really expect that he takes a huge step forward i mean you look and swinging strike rate was 13.8 percent last year which was pretty darn impressive so things that you love to see and i really believe in cody morris as a being a, a kind of solid starter moving forward yeah I like Cody Morris as well. And he's one that I underrated as well that I'm going to, you know, I'm correcting that. because he's definitely a very good arm. And I'm going to go with someone from your team here, Chris, the Atlanta Braves. I'm going to go Joey Estes, a guy that, again, a guy that I underrated, underranked, and I am correcting that now. You know, he was only 19 this past year. He was in low A, pitched uh, 99 innings over 20 starts, 291 ERA, 0.96 whip. Good walk rate and circuit rate as well. So he's a guy I'm definitely going to be moving up in my next update a good amount. Now, I was running some, I was looking at some different stats for minor league pitchers uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I, and I tweeted this out too for pitching prospects age 22 or younger in 2021 that fit the following criteria 90 plus innings pitched, a K rate above 25%, a walk rate below 8%, and a swinging strike rate above 15%. There were nine names on the list. A lot of five of those are Cleveland and Tampa Bay guys, as you could probably expect, including, you know, Taj Bradley was on there, G Rob was on there, Logan Allen, et cetera. But Joey Estes also was on that list. So, and he's a guy that, if you look over at uh, Prospects Live, has been starting their top 30 team by team prospect rankings where they put out the top five reports for free on their site and then did the rest under the Patreon. They had Joey Essies at number three in that org, only behind Vaughn Grisham and Shea Langoliers. And I believe that Essies has the highest ceiling of any arm in that org, higher than Spencer Strider. Uh, so definitely 
I'm going to be targeting Estes a lot this offseason. He's got three pitches, fastball, slider, changeup. Fastball hits mid-90s. Slider is in the low to mid-80s. I think both could be plus offerings. Changeup is his third pitch. But decent velocity separation from the from the fastball. It's about 9, 10 miles an hour lower. Could be at least an average offering. Uh, we'll see how that develops. But he's still young. He's, he's still going to be 20 this entire year. Has shown pretty solid command and control for his age as well. So definitely an arm that is firmly on the rise. Uh, I think he's going to take that next jump here in 2022. Who's your second guy, Chris? Yeah, I'm going with a FYPD guy and Chase Petty. You, we, we already love Petty. I mean, he had yeah. high schooler pumping a hundred has a, you know, really, really good slider. And this changeup that he's developing, uh, there's a vi- there was a video that came out has three feet of horizontal movement separation from the slider. Like that's, it's, that's a lot of separation. It's, it's a sexy go, go find that tweet. There's a video. I guess that, that's just, I said, I just sat there and like stared at it over and over again for about a good three minutes. It's just yeah. so good. So it, the changeup, just ridiculous. You know, five inches of vertical break, 18 inches of horizontal run. Like, that's absolutely insane. The slider gets 20 inches of horizontal break the opposite way. So that's a 38-inch difference, which is absolutely nuts. So <laughs> at Arsenal's really good. I think that he continues to develop. Just a high schooler, but he's going to continue to develop and be a really solid arm. I think he's going to be very flashy and jump up rankings really quick. So you know, I'm looking to buy him now because – I think he's going to take off. Great pick there with Chase Petty. I've always loved Chase Petty. Uh, it's hard not to when you watch him on the mound. Just such an electric arm. It's a great pick there. I will close up the show with my second one here. I'll go with an arm that I think could be the best arm in the Washington national system by this time next year. I'm very high in Cade Cavalli too, but Cole Henry, I think, is a guy that's going to sneak up on some people. He was the second-round pick for the Nats back in the 2020 draft out of LSU and got his debut this past year and pitched to very good statistics, but they were even better when you take out the kind of weird two starts he made down on the complex level in Florida where he allowed three and runs in four innings. If you look at just his eight starts or well, eight starts and one relief outing in high A, which was 43 innings, he had a 188 ERA, a 0.79 whip, 38.7% strikeout rate and a 6.7% walk rate for a 319 K minus walk rate. And if you look a little bit further, he also had a, let's see, a 45.2% ground ball rate overall and a 19.6% swing and strike rate, which was over three and a half percentage points ahead of Cavalli. Cavalli was on at 16 even, which is still a very good mark as well. 19.6 is very, very good. Um, so definitely gotta love to see that. Yeah, it was only in 47 innings, but Henry can miss bats. He's got a very solid frame, 6'4, 215, very strong frame throughout, has two plus offerings in his fastball. He gets up into the mid-90s, can touch higher than that. Big curveball that can miss bats consistently. Also mixes in a changeup. That's definitely behind the other two, but I do believe that could be at least an average pitch in time. Just a, a good third offering, help keep hitters off the fastball curveball. Command control, which was one of the areas that were kind of, you know, maybe considered a weakness of Henry uh, in, when the draft came around a couple of years ago. He's improved that. I think he's, now I wouldn't say he's, you know, he's not a pinpoint guy or anything like that. He's not plus command control, but I think at least average in both of those departments with the chance to maybe even get a little bit higher than that. He's still, so he's still pretty young. He's only, oh, well, he's actually, he's going to be what? I think he's 20, 
he's 22 now, but uh, still very, you know, he's still in the low level. So got a lot of developmental time left, I should say. Uh, so I think that could definitely tick up as well uh, over the next couple of years. And yeah, there's a chance. I think he could be even better than Kate Cavalli. And I say all the ingredients are there. Two really good pitches, solid third offering, solid command and control, can miss bats, get scrum balls. Really like what I see out of Cole Henry. And I'm going to move him up substantially in my next update. I think he's going to be a guy that could, he could be a top 100 guy by midseason. I think that's how much, that's how high Cole Henry is going to climb. But that's going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross04. And our show is at Fantrex Toolshed. And of course, check out all of our written work at Fantrex HQ or over on our Patreon. We will be back with you all on Friday for that Dynasty ADP talk. That'll be a fun episode. But until then, everyone take care. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit kindly at asbury.org today. Equal opportunity housing provider. 